We're forever changed. That was amazing and powerful. Thank you so much, uh, Tyndale Singers, uh, for leading us in song, no matter how distant or virtual our world may be right now. How, how amazing. I, I'm going to have to rewind that later on and, and crank the volume. Uh, fantastic. Thank you so much, singers, and for, for all the creative people, uh, musicians, singers alike, who have continued to learn new ways to, to share God's word, to share the gifts that God's blessed you with and to bless us with uh, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Thank you, George, for the introduction uh, a moment ago. Um, and if you, if you didn't pick up early on when he was introducing me, yes, my name is Tim, and I am from the Tim Center. And, you know, even after a number of years of introducing myself and having that title, I still struggle. I still struggle a lot with trying to uh, introduce myself and call myself Tim from the Tim Center for any number of reasons, which I won't get into. Uh, I've, I've started to use my full name, including my Chinese name these days, to try to show that it's, the center's not named after me. Well, and, and all that to say, you know, being at the Tim Center, you may not know me, you may not know our center, the work that we do, um, but our center, along with many other other centers, uh, the Family Life Center, uh, Spiritual Formation Center, Leadership Center, Hudson Taylor Center. Most of our work is external. So most of our work goes outside of uh, the faculty, the staff, the students, uh, and, and are always externally focused in terms of what we do. And so because of that, I, I confess a little bit that I have missed every single chapel. I haven't watched a single one. I'm glad that attendance is not being uh, taken up for me. Uh, if it was, then I'd be in a lot of trouble. But but because of uh, the, the blessings of technology, uh, I consider myself quite lucky that I've been able to, like a good procrastinating student, uh, cram all of the chapels on Tuesday chapels for the last 48 hours. I've watched every single one of them uh, just to make sure that I knew what part of the series uh, I am preaching on, just know exactly what has been said before me so that, well, A, I don't just copy somebody, but secondly, just to be carry on in this series. And as I was listening in the last 48 hours, I have to confess too that uh, I, I feel so honored and so blessed and so lucky uh, to share the pulpit, to share this space, to share the stage with so many amazing preachers, presenters, professors, scholars, uh, and every single one of them have, have blessed me personally, so if I can even say a word of thanks to all of them. I, I won't, won't be able to name off every single person, but, but every single one of them blessing me in so many ways. You know, Dr. Robertson, uh, who giving us a, this, this history lesson that just was amazing, and him sharing about his own life and own uh, heritage and lineage. I, I feel like uh, Dr. Robertson's like a brother from another mother. Uh, you know, I think about Cyril, who with his eloquence and words and and I'm so jealous of his ability to choose just the right words and to have them not just make sense, but rhyme. I can't, I'm, I'm speechless when I think and listen to his uh, beautifully crafted uh, words to us. And, and then there was Dr. Wong just a, a few weeks ago sharing the story of the prodigal son and make analogies to contemporary entertainment and media. And Dr. Wong, uh, I, I, I note, not just because he's, he's in, a, in a short little while moving to a new stage of his career and life, uh, and we've all been blessed with him, by him, in so many different ways. For me personally, I mean, I am so blessed thinking back to somebody like uh, Dr. Wong because 20, 25 years ago, he was actually my pastor. And so now to share the stage, to share the pulpit 
with him, I consider an incredible blessing and to be lucky to have that. And finally, I mean, the last person I just want to note is, is Jesse. And, uh, you know, Jesse now taking on a, a place of leadership here. I mean, he was not my pastor. He was a, a little younger. He is a little bit younger than me. Um, but I remember 20, 25 years ago as well, uh, thinking back to when he was a young teen, uh, just a little bit younger than me, um, in Toronto, even, and even at that time, encouraging blessing, uh, uh, just c- c- continuing to, to stimulate the growth of young Christians around him. And so it's just quite a blessing and an honor to share the stage and pulpit with him. And, and finally, of course, in the last 48 hours, I've been blessed so much uh, by jo- uh, George, who, who week after week uh, brings words of grace and love and just his entire presence uh, just continues for the last 20 years that he's been uh, here at the school, has just been incredible to, to share space with. I, I consider myself lucky as well with the invitation to come and preach here because, you know, truthfully, like many of you who are preachers and teachers and uh, now living in this new space, after preaching for 20 years in churches, communities, and teaching live with people, you know, preaching to a screen, you know, staring at a screen and trying to imagine people when there's nobody even there uh, has been very, very awkward for all of us. But now, to be able to be in this space, I consider myself incredibly lucky to have this incredibly spacious room uh, to be in as awkward as it may be as well. I I consider myself lucky because um, for me, space is a a big issue. I I know that I'm a spatial and kinesthetic learner, and so having this grand space is so tempting for me to walk around, but I know uh, that that probably won't work as this is being live streamed. Our passage today comes from Psalm 89. And for us to understand it, we can probably take a number of different ways and avenues to look at this. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I'm not going to be able to exegete words uh, like Dr. Witt. He did an an incredible job uh, previously about breaking down the Hebrew of the psalm that he was looking at. But for me, looking at Psalm 89 requires us to, to not just look at the language of it, but to look at the context and the writer and the authorship. And, and we read right from the very top, it says, a masculine of Ethan, the Ezraite. Now, if you do a little bit of study, you'll find that we don't know, actually, that much about Ethan. We don't know too much about his life. We know that he has a brother named Heman, and we only know that because Psalm 88 is authored by his brother. So really, we actually don't know that much about Ethan, this random character in history. We, we know that also that he's an Ezraite, and unfortunately, a little bit of study, and, and, and maybe I didn't do enough study, but there isn't much literature talking about what an Ezraite is or what their lineage is. All we know is that there were two Ezraites. Heights, Heman and Ethan from these two chapters. And really, it's just this random story of this, this seemingly random author writing Psalm 89. But what we do know is that this is called a masculine, a masculine of Ethan the Ezraite. And, and maybe you've Googled before these, these interesting Hebrew terms through the Psalms that are kind of scattered throughout. Maybe you, you haven't paid attention to it before. But if you do a little bit of study of what a masculine is, a, a masculine a f- initial reading and study will show that it's a song of wisdom and instruction. And, th- and that's, that's probably a great definition of what a masculine is. But if you do a little bit further research into what a masculine is, and maybe, you know, the music department will correct me, I hope they don't. But, you know, upon a little bit more uh, research, you'll find the definition of what a masculine is. A masculine is a psalm that is a musical instruction that denotes a specific responsive mode of performance defined as complex antiphony because it involves gathering of distant segments. Gathering of distant segments. 
through a dialogue between cars. Now, when I heard that and I read that, a gathering of distant segments, that made me think about, you know, our present day and age of how we've been gathering Zoom singers from all of, of their homes, their living rooms, their bedrooms, whatever it may be, compiling it into these amazing videos that we get to, to, to witness and watch. And, and whether they be in different neighborhoods across the city or in, across the province or across the country, or even, you know, singers from Trinidad. Can you believe that we would be sharing space with musicians and singers from Trinidad? That's what I thought of when I read this description, a gathering of different segments. But, but it's not just that. Through a dialogue, it says, through a dialogue between choirs, each singing a different section of the edited song. Now, when I was reading that and studied a little bit more about what Antiphony was, I was, I was even more blown away. I, I, I didn't actually know this. And, and, and I'm going to struggle a little bit to try to describe what an Antiphony is. I mean, if you have been here at our, our amazing chapel, you'll not just witness the stained glass windows or, or just the, the, the beauty of the way that it was constructed. But you'll also just be overwhelmed by the incredible space that is here. And, you know, sadly, on some level, we've reduced worship and music to a band on stage with some guitars. Now, I love guitars and I love bands, um, but, but I wonder what we've lost in terms of having the, the full voices of God's people. You know, an antiphony is basically, if you imagine being in this chapel, an antiphony is what, like having a massive choir to the right or left of you, depending on the mirror image of your screen, and, and a choir over here, and then a choir over here, and them surrounding you with voices. Now, not just surround sound. Some of you are thinking, Tim, yeah, sure, you know, you're complaining about my phone, or you're complaining about my laptop that doesn't have good speakers, but Tim, I can throw on my amazing, you know, headphones that I bought uh, on sale, and they have, give me the stereo sound and surround sound, but, but Antiphony is beyond that. It's not just a surround sound that engulfs you and immerses you in sound. And Antiphony is like this choir singing a verse powerfully, calling out, and then this choir responding back. And so there's this call and response that happens from a choir surrounding you back and forth. And the only way I could you know, kind of compare this to or make this analogy for people to understand is, is perhaps if you, if you were to set up speakers all around your room and if somehow you could technologically have them fire at different times so that it surrounded you with sound. Maybe you've never experienced that kind of a thing before or had choirs surround you sing an antiphony. But maybe for some of you, the only way I could relate this to is if you've ever gone to uh, a children's camp or a youth camp or a youth conference where, you know, the teens are all together, you know, sitting at the cafeteria, you know, each at different tables eating whatever meal was, came, came out of the, the, the lunchroom. And as you're eating, if you remember those days, maybe you're still in that, that ministry today, um, you know, as you're eating, sitting at table number seven, all of a sudden you hear, we are table numbers five, table five. And, and you know, you perk up with interest as a young person, listening to table five, singing that song, you know, we are table number five. And with anticipation, sitting at seven, you're hoping that five will call seven. And table five says, calling table 10. And then table 10 from way over here calls out and they respond, we are table number. And just imagine back in those days where table after table, voice after voice surrounding you from all around you, taking their turn, verse after verse. That's what an antiphony is. And I just imagine this instruction that Ethan gives in how this psalm is to be read, because that is this, this spatial, kinesthetic, emotional, euphoric description of how this song should be sung. Forget just the melody. Think about the spatial experience of what this psalm would have been. The first two verses sings of the Lord's great love 
forever. Uh, Ethan writes, with my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. And then for the next 10, 11 verses is, is this recount of God's faithfulness over the generations. And you can almost imagine the different voices recounting with historical fact God's covenant with his chosen one, sworn bond with David, his servant. The voice saying that God will establish his line forever from generation to generation. And you're just imagining these voices of faithfulness, of God's faithfulness through time, recounting through history God's victorious nature over and over and over again. And and if you can just imagine with me experiencing that, that choir of antiphonal voices surrounding you, Then it comes to this this climax in verse 15, where finally Ethan writes, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. You can just imagine at that moment, the, the choir is just now unifying in song and the people just unifying their hearts and minds and emotions. How glorious it would have been to listen to the mighty acts of God. Mighty acts of God. Blessed. How lucky. How many times have you said that about the year 2020? That we're lucky. How many times have you said, man, we're really lucky to be locked up and our city being in lockdown? How many times have you said, whoa, I'm really lucky that my graduating year is spent online for for school? How many of you have spent the time saying how lucky I am to learn technology to teach because, you know, I love students and now I'm speaking to them through a screen? Probably for most of us, Thinking about being lucky is the last thing we would think of when we think of this year or when we think of relating to this text. Ironically, though, these 18 verses of text, of joy, of God's faithfulness, are actually part of, in context, a larger chapter. And the larger chapter is actually a text of and song of lament. If you read through the psalm, you get to verse 38. And it actually goes on from a faithfulness of God to you have rejected, you have spurned God, you have been very angry with us, you have renounced us, God, you have defiled our crown, you have broken all the walls over and over again. This song of lament becomes the actual message of chapter 89. And it's in this context of lament that Ethan writes, we need to realize and learn what it means to be blessed. What is it about blessing, about being blessed? Is there anything lucky about it? Probably not in our own modern definition of the word. But Ethan, the songwriter, with antiphonal voices says, remember God's blessing, the voices of history. If we remember through our history, we are reminded of God's blessing in our lives. Uh, Dr. Robertson talked a little bit about the history of our Christian faith and the incredible blessing and voices that come, voices that we perhaps weren't even expecting. And most of us will remember the times in history, the times where voices from different time periods, maybe not different spaces in the room, but different spaces in history, 
have spoken to us the reminder of God's faithfulness. Not just the triumphal times and the victorious times that God's been great, but even the times when God's been great and we've experienced suffering as a people. Because oftentimes it's in those true times of suffering where we experience blessing. That oftentimes it's in those true times of persecution where great awakenings have happened. That perhaps we're reminded that it is precisely in those times of trial where we've actually felt throughout the generations God's presence. Maybe Ethan is reminding us to learn to acclaim God's blessing and true faithfulness. In the year 1127, the Roman calendar, 1127, the royal family was overthrown. Not the royal family that you might be thinking of, but the royal family in China. The year was very different because they count the year very differently there. But the royal family was overthrown. The emperor was through violent attack from a foreign country. We don't know, I don't remember exactly what foreign country it was. Maybe the Mongolians, we, we blame the Mongolians for everything. It seems like Chinese. Anyways, the, the foreign body came and invaded and overthrew uh, the emperor and his entire family through violent means. And I won't go into detail, but basically, in a nutshell, the entire royal family, all the guards, all the family, all the, all the, all the loyal people to the emperor were driven from the capital, were driven from the palace, were driven from their homes, and they became refugees, refugees in their own country. <coughs> As they went and scattered across the country, you know, the emperor, the father, he went to the east, and, and, and the, the, the mother went to the north just to scatter, to, to try to find a place to rest their head. The brothers went to the west, and meanwhile, the sisters went south. And, 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 and according to the story, one of the princesses went so far south went to a little region, what we now know as Canton, just a little bit north of Hong Kong. And you can just imagine this royal family, now destitute, having uh, no, no, no finances, no security. They were literally now homeless, not from rags to riches, but from riches to rags. And they found themselves as refugees with no home, no food, no shelter, no clothing, with no security at all. And after some time, this princess who found herself in the lower regions of China in Canton, <coughs> she was wandering the fields trying to figure out how she would find the next meal, perhaps see, eating the scraps from pigs, eating the scraps from uh, animals. When she stumbled across a, a duck farm and a lowly duck farmer, and the duck farmer discovered this, this wandering young woman, you know, walk, walking around with, with clothing that was, was torn and dirt in, in her face and seeing her just eat from the ground. Now, no offense to anybody who is a farmer. I mean, this is no offense, not meant to, to, to talk lowly of farmers, but this was a lowly farmer. No offense to anybody who here who actually comes from a lineage of being a duck. This is not meant to make fun of you, but this was a lowly duck farmer who really had nothing to show for. But he stumbled upon this, this homeless and refugee woman. And, and he had pity and compassion and empathy for her. And so with the little that he had, he decided to give her food. He decided to give her shelter. He decided to give her a home to stay in. And now, and eventually over time, and I don't know what the order is, whether or not they fell in love and then got married or they got married and fell in love after. This is China, of course. Uh, so the story goes, they, they began to have a home together and they had a life together. That princess, that homeless refugee princess was my great, 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 great grandmother 29 generations ago. That lowly duck farmer was my great, 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 
grandfather 29 generations ago. And I don't tell you that story to try to say to you, well, I'm actually of royalty, so please, you know, treat me with respect. I'm not telling you that story because of that. But when I think about that story, and I think of the kindness of a simple duck farmer who really didn't need to give anything to this homeless woman, how lucky I truly am when I think of that story. When I think of a woman who, when the tables were turned finally, and generations, and and the story goes that the the emperor from the east finally took the capital back and regained, you know, authority and power over all of China, he sent an edict out to all of China to call his family back. And when the call came to the princess, the princess heard the call, heard the edict from her father saying, come home, you can be welcomed back to the palace. She said, no, I found a home here and I will make my home in Canton. When I think of this story, I think of her decision, (coughs) her decision not to go back to her rightful place at the palace. I I think of the fact that she she thought to herself, instead of going back to the comfort, the security of, of the royal palace and turning my back on this duck farm, she decided to stay. And when I think of that, I think about how lucky I am that she stayed. I also think of that story and think of how lucky it was that the government and the emperor was actually overthrown. Because if that didn't happen, if all chaos never happened, if if the country was not in turmoil, they would never have met. And truthfully, how lucky I actually am to be here today because of those struggles. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what the events are in your history. I don't know the lineage of where you've come from. I don't even know your own life and what you've been through. But I wonder, what are the voices, what are the stories that you need to acclaim? What are the the stories that you need to learn to remember, to remember God's faithfulness? What are the voices, not just spatially around you, but what are those voices through time and history that show of God's faithfulness over and over and over again. Not just the good and victorious time that God's been faithful, because he truly has been, but even those challenging and difficult times. Challenges that you personally have been through, and that if I asked you, you would probably tell me it's because of those challenges that you are who you are today. How many would have wished that, that, that those things have never ex- happened or those ex- bad experiences would never really have, 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 have gone through your life and yet you will also note most likely that those major tragic events are some of the most significant in terms of blessing you to form who you are. And though you may struggle with calling yourself lucky for any of us, seeing God in the midst of that is blessed. Jesus, too, uses that word blessed over and over again. In one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, he uses the word blessed speaking to an audience, not in their suburban, comfortable homes, speaking to an audience, probably not driving around in their Teslas because everything is great and life is beautiful. He was speaking to an audience that felt oppressed, speaking to an audience that didn't know where hope was, speaking to an audience that didn't know where their future lay. And it's to them that Jesus says the words as Ethan used. Blessed and lucky are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed and lucky 
are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed and lucky are the meek, for they will be inherit the earth. Blessed and lucky are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed and lucky are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed and lucky are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed and lucky are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed and lucky are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed and lucky are you in 2020. For yours, for ours, for mine is the kingdom of heaven. Though you may struggle with calling yourself lucky, may you, community of Tyndale, may you, people of God, may all the earth learn to call ourselves blessed.